We are back at it with another episode of Nick versus Everyone. And with me today, my one of my best friends, one of my ex teammates, one of my best uh, ex coaching partners, my man, yep. Kyle Sherwin, is here to go one on one with the great one. What's up? What up, man? Good to see you again. It's been a minute been a minute yeah man i haven't been back home in a long time and when i do go home uh it's only for like a week or uh two and like since you moved over to grand rapids i usually don't get to get out there that much so we probably haven't seen each other in a couple years probably (laughs) unfortunately since you got since Since you got married yeah since i got married besides that yeah and that you know, when you're getting married and stuff, you don't really have time to just like sit down and just freaking chill and hang out. You're always thing to thing to thing to thing. Had the dance floor turned up though. Dude, I was so happy uh, on the dance floor because obviously like we have obviously everybody that knows. (laughs) (laughs) We got some moves. We got some moves and uh, it was it made me happy because like my little cousins and uh, and stuff like that, they saw us dancing and then like we taught them dance moves. And I saw them later in the night doing the same moves afterwards. And I was just like (laughs) passing on game, passing on game. (laughs) (laughs) Then you just slide them a DVD of Stomp the Yard. You're like, watch this. Uh, Lesson one. Uh, This is where you start. (laughs) where it all began for us i know dude uh it seems like so long ago we got deep into it like there's so many things that uh i look back on now and i'm just like why do we do that and every generation has that so for instance stomp the yard yeah backwards hat wearing a suit also a little bit tipped up all from that movie looks stupid (laughs) looking back on it but it was a vibe at the time (laughs) Always doing hat tricks, like sliding it off. <laughs> if that was that would um that would be on some like sitcom right now of like there's like this kid in the corner like doing hat tricks. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, "What's wrong with that guy?" And like we we weren't that great at it, so they would just like fall on the ground, and we have to like pretend to come pick it up, and then like put it. Back. <laughs> <laughs> like that was planned. And then there would always be a girl that would like come over and take your hat and then throw on the ground, stomp on it, and then try to look cute and like put it on and stuff. Yeah, that was sweet. Brand new hat, crispy. And then a girl would always take it and just like <laughs> use it as like, like a accordion and just ink, ink, ink. $40 from lids, like just down the drain. I'm like, can't wear that anymore. Yeah, and the girl's like sweaty, like not uh, you're not attracted to her at all. It's just some random person, and you're just like, "Yep, there goes my hat." Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back, uh, I guess that was the way that girls have game, and to sh- tell you that, uh, you know, I like you, which back at the time uh, didn't realize that at the time. Um, yeah. I'm like, I'm annoyed by what you just did. Please don't speak to me. <laughs> My mom just paid $30 for that hat, and now I got to go explain to her why I need it. <laughs> oh, it's like the time my 
my 10 person tent burned down along with Kevin Wilson's and I had to explain <laughs> to my dad how that happened. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's, let's talk about that. That is the funniest thing in the whole entire world. Oh man. We are so stupid. Um, <laughs> till this day, I know Kevin has like not told his dad that that's what happened. <clears throat> Oh man. So back in the day, uh, we had a friend, uh, I'll leave the name out, uh, just because, (laughs) (laughs) um, I don't think he'd care anyway, but, uh, back in the day we used to have, uh, these parties, overnight parties back in a field, super country, right? Um, (laughs) yep. Um, and people, there'd be a bonfire out there. It would be what, like a quarter mile away from the next house. So we were pretty like could oh, do yeah. half a mile away from the next house. So we were pretty much could do whatever we wanted back there. Um, at one point people were like racing trucks for some reason. <clears throat> not sure why, uh, not safe. <sighs> um, <laughs> Drunk driving in a field with trees, no big deal. Yep, not a big deal. Um, and so we could pretty much do whatever we wanted back there. Um, nothing ever really happened like too bad. Like at the time, the group of friends that we had were like pretty good, and we weren't really we weren't into drugs at all. We didn't drink at all. So for from my perspective, most of the people there, uh, at least our friends, were sober and completely sober so it wasn't like we're going out there to do drugs it was just going out there to hang out right and uh people would sleep in their cars people would sleep in tents like overnight it'd be a bonfire and people would just hang out play music have a good time um not uh wasn't always um uh safe family fun but uh it was definitely uh, uh super fun and super uh interesting just to hang out uh with everybody and stuff like that but uh we were what junior uh you were a junior was i a senior yeah i think it was my junior year yeah so um uh, you guys brought a tent right (laughs) and everybody brought their tents and and stuff like that and for and for some reason you guys didn't sleep in the tent right you were just like i'm what happened why was it there (laughs) (laughs) so do my parents buy like this? I don't know. It's probably like three or four hundred dollar tent from like Costco. So expensive. It's the like best. <laughs> sleep like sleeps tent. It has like separate rooms. It's like a fucking plastic house that I bring. I'm like, oh, this will be dope. All my friends can sleep in here. I set it up. It takes like forty minutes to set up this tent because not a camper, dude. I have a better chance of wearing like eye makeup than I do sleeping outside. Uh, the picture of you and Kevin putting up a tent together <laughs> with your short tempers. Uh, it, yeah. it probably actually only took like 10 minutes to set up, but Kevin and I are just like, dude, I'll just, nothing goes right. Anyways, I get this, I get this tent set up and I'm like, dude, I don't want to sleep outside. I'm just going to leave this here. I'll pick it up tomorrow morning. So I like leave at like, I don't know, like two, 3 AM. Everyone's like finishing the party, like cashing out. And then I wake up from a call from the kid who threw the party. It's like, I don't know. It's probably like 3 PM. Cause I like slept all day, super tired. I'm like, why is he calling me? And he goes, Hey man, what are you doing? I'm like, <laughs> just woke up. 
What's up? What do you think, dude? (laughs) (laughs) He goes, I got to tell you something. I'm like, all right. He goes, "Uh, my field caught on fire last (laughs) night and your tent burned down. (laughs) I'm like, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) You mean mean the brand new three, four hundred dollar tent that uh, my parents let me borrow that that tent we're talking about the same <laughs> tent right <laughs> like unbox brand new first of all i don't know why my parents bought a tent like they've never camped in their life like i don't know what they were going to do with it it was on sale at costco they, had... they just walked in there and was just like dude this seems like a fun night thing to do so like yeah hell yeah bulk tents let's pick one up <laughs> <laughs> so he is like um sorry this happened I'll give you $50 for it. I'm like, $50? <laughs> I'm like, is this a GameStop, dude, for tents? Like, I'm uh, like, no, dude, that's that's a $400 tent. How the fuck am I going to tell my dad this happened? <laughs> yeah, so I don't know how it started, but there it was a makeshift bonfire, and it would get pretty big. And I don't think they put rocks around it, like, to protect it. I don't know if, no. like, the ashes, like... <clears throat> went into the air and caught something on fire. But I think the story was there wasn't any like type of rocks around the fire. It was just dirt and wood and it was in a field. Right. So there was just like a yeah. uh, dry, I don't know, grass or weeds or something back there. <laughs> Whatever's, right? in fields. Whatever's in fields. Right. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, yeah, it like slowly caught, didn't like the, fire department get called and everything like it was it yeah. wasn't like a raging fire it was like just slowly on the ground just like burning just everything smoldering my tent yeah <laughs> i think the funniest part is that i asked him to send me a picture because i thought he was joking and then he sent me a picture of the like the pile of the rods that were left over from the tent <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i believe it you need to find that picture immediately <laughs> <laughs> So when that was, so what, when you told your parents, like, how did it go? Like, what'd they do? I mean, my dad's a relatively chill guy. Like, you know him pretty well, but Mm -hmm. um, I think he can have a little bit of the temper. And I believe he said, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) We had all these plans to go on fun trips. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just crushed their aspirations of like hiking in the Rockies and tenting. Just spent $300, $400. This is going to be really fun. This is going to be something brand new that us as a family are going to do. Yeah. We're going to go to Zion. We're going to go <laughs> road trips up north. We like this is going to be a big growth opportunity to show yeah. our kids the world. Right. And you just <laughs> you just crushed it. <laughs> Stupid. Because I put it up in a field with no fire safety. <laughs> and then you just left it there. <laughs> I figured it would be fine. I remember specifically leaving and like the grass slash weeds were like covered in dew. I'm like, how did that light yeah. on fire? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, long story short, I owe my parents a tent when I get my bread up. I guess my question is, did anybody spend the night there? Because if it was on fire, I feel like <laughs> no one. <laughs> Dude, that's what I was saying. Like, thank God I didn't. I would have melted oh man <laughs> yeah everybody saw you guys leave and be like man that's a good idea <laughs> yeah 
I definitely, I don't know. I probably went home early too. I mean, we, if me and Nate ever spent the night there, it was in like our car. And so, uh, good yeah. thing that the cars weren't there. Cause like the tires, like who knows what would <laughs> cars would have just exploded out <laughs> like a movie, like a, like a rock, the rock movie. Like all these cars are just exploding yeah. all that good stuff. Oh my god, that would've been horrible. That's so funny, but yeah, we had some good times back there, and uh, <clears throat> got into. We weren't the smartest kids in the whole entire world, but we made it. <laughs> yeah, with literally zero alcohol or drugs involved. <laughs> yeah, which today would be like unheard of. So, like yeah, par- now- parents, if your kids are freaking spending a night somewhere, assume. <laughs> yeah that they're assume they're making <laughs> and making tiktoks in the field yeah for sure they're just like... the funniest the funniest thing is is when like kids are vaping and they're, they're just telling their parents it's just flavor in there there's just flavor there's nothing in there <laughs> yeah well they're flavored chemicals sweetheart yeah. their lungs are burning yeah <laughs> but yeah we've come a long way man uh that was, I mean, it's kind of crazy to look back at, at, but like 2009, 2010, that was 13 years ago. Unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, now, now, now we, we, we figured it out, kind of. We, I mean, we were always, we always had high goals. Uh, we always had confidence that we'd do something. And specifically with you, um, <clears throat> We call you Dr. Sherwin now. Crazy. No one thought I would make it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Went from a bur- burning <laughs> burning a tent <laughs> uh, to, to, see, to seeing patients and, mm-hmm. uh, t- and saving lives. Uh, growth in the last 13 years. Unreal. <laughs> <laughs> Exponential at this point. So, yeah, man, it's... Um, it's been wild. It's been a obviously a long, long road. I'm kind of coming down to the end of it now. I've got, geez, three months left of residency. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, we can kind of go through that whole process and how I uh, kind of got to that point. Yeah, let's so let's do it. So uh, your path um, is is similar to Nate's, but I'm I'm interested uh, in your perspective, your perspective of it. So. Um, let's, let's start from the beginning. Um, uh, you went to, uh, a college, uh, for undergrad in Chicago, Dominican, right? Yep. And, uh, what, what, it was the, is it, what was the test that you, MCAT? What was it? Yeah. Yeah, MCAT's like the entrance exam for med school. Yeah. And, uh, how, how was that? How was that? uh, that test, um, what, uh, uh, what is like an average score and like, what, what was your score? Yeah. Um, well, they've changed it a little bit now, the whole scoring system, but back when I took it, I think I was the last year before they switched over to the new scoring system, but the national averages I think is like at that time was like 27. Um, Mm -hmm. I had told myself like, I mean, I was interested in medicine, but I think like a lot of us, I had hoop dreams, man. Like 
I thought I was going overseas like my junior year. I was balling until I broke my back. And that's kind of when my perspective and my whole <laughs> mind, my. <laughs> that's like a Mike Tyson uh, meme. <laughs> Spinal. I broke my back. <laughs> <laughs> what part? <laughs> Spinal. Wait, what, what do you mean you broke? Uh, where did you break your back? Uh, spinal. <laughs> uh, so yeah, sorry. Uh, so you broke your back. Uh, just gonna fly over that guy. And so you got injured. <laughs> you got injured. You were a successful college basketball player, captain of your team. Um, you wanted to go overseas, which some of your teammates, uh, I think, ended up doing right. Uh, one. Um definitely like tried out and played in some like smaller, like lower level leagues and then mm-hmm. ended up coming back. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, D three is good basketball. I, if, you know, if you've never watched a D three game or, you know, anyone who's listening to this, just check one out. There's a lot of skill level in it. And, um, there's a lot of good hoopers across the country in that, in that division. Ar- arguably more skilled than division one, some division one teams. Uh, I've yeah, seen some I mean, division one teams that are just like all athletes all along and like shooting 18% from three, you know what I mean? So like yeah. where if you're a D3 player, your skill level <clears throat> level is pretty high, is pretty high. It's just maybe you didn't have like this, the freak athleticism or the freak size uh, to go along yeah. with the skill, long story short. So the high, I would say skill level uh, under D2, D2, D3, all that stuff is usually pretty, pretty high. Yeah. I mean, you look at some of the guys that we know and who we played with who are phenomenal basketball players like Mitch Valley and Andrew Patrick. And I don't know if you ever hooped with Jordan Brink, but obviously he hooped out here in Kelvin, was an All-American, and he's one of the best basketball players I've ever seen. So yeah. it's like guys like that who played at that level. Yeah. So. Yeah, so you broke, you, you, you got injured, broke your back. Um, I remember that time, and it, it lingered with you for a long, 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 long time. Did you ever figure out, like, what exactly – was it, like, stress fractures or something? Is that what it was? Or yeah. yeah, I had gotten an MRI just because I was having, like, excruciating pain all the time. Um, I had, like, a stress fracture in my vertebral body and then broke, like, um, a different portion of my spine, too, kind of where your nerve runs um, – nerve roots run through. Mm-hmm. So, um, I remember yeah, I mean, during- I tried to re- – I remember during the time you were like, yeah, I'm doing like stretches and I'm doing like, uh, like physical therapy, I think it was. And it's just like, yeah, it's spinal. (laughs) (laughs) I used to Uh, just, dude, ace bandage, my like tape ace bandage, basically make like a core set for extra support and then try to play. Yeah. Freaking crazy. Um, Stupid. But that. (laughs) I have chronic back pain. Yeah. It's not going to get better uh, without with just resting. That's all you can kind of do, I feel like. Yeah. I'm not the doctor, though. Um, and uh, <laughs> But but that kind of, I feel like that get, grinding through that is something that uh, us and our friends have is like, all right, it's kind of like that Mamba mentality where like, all right, it's not going your way. Something's a, a speed bump, but I'm going to break through it. I'm going to get through it. I'm going to do everything I can. If it's not, if I'm not a hundred percent, 
and I can only do 80, I'm going to give 80%. You know what I mean? I'm going to give everything I got regardless of the situation, right? <clears throat> and I think that yeah. that that lesson uh, that you had with your back really prepared you for, like, med school. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest, you know, I think for all of us in our friend group, sports has been probably the biggest part of our life. But I think just because all those lessons translate like so linear with everything else that we do. So um, I definitely think you're right. Like pre-med with college basketball was, you know, a grind in itself. And I think that definitely prepared me for, you know, med school and that kind of workload. Yeah, 100 percent. I remember I uh, my finger dislocated <clears throat> and broke in a game uh, in high school my senior year. Uh, it's still, uh, still crooked. This is me just chilling. I'm not doing anything. I'm just, <laughs> so the world, here's my finger. Like how sweet so it is. Gross. I know it's messed up. Uh, alien fingers, crooked, all that stuff. So I broke it in a game and I try to put it back in, uh, because that's what Kobe would do. Right. And, uh, little did I know it was fractured and stuff like that. So it goes back to that, all right, I have something broken. I do not want to come out of this game. I will not come out of this game. Yeah. I think uh, I rushed <clears throat> I rushed myself back. I had, I, I had to sit out or whatever for a while. But then the rest of the season, I just had that boy taped up, like, together yep. and stuff like that. And just said, frick it. Like, I, I want to play. <laughs> yeah, Star Trek. <laughs> Pass me the ball. Pass me the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Guard the kid with the weird fingers. <laughs> <laughs> oh dang! But but yeah. So <clears throat> so you got into um, med med school and and were you and going back to the the test questions? <clears throat> what was your like scores related to like the average? I guess were you above <clears throat> below? Um, I was very average, and I told myself like I'm going to take this one time, and if I don't get in. I might go do something else. I kind of had my mind made up with that, um, but scored run around national average. We got a 28. So um, mm -hmm. it was good enough to get me in at Michigan state at their osteopathic school, same mm -hmm. place that Nate went. So kind of, it's mm -hmm. actually him, obviously your brother and I are close and just like you and I are close, but um, Nate's been a fantastic mentor for me throughout this entire process. And our stories are pretty similar. So. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'll just take a second to talk about, to talk about Nate. <clears throat> for people that are listening and interested in going to med school and things like that. Uh, you know, Nate, Nate's grades were always like top 10, always in high school and stuff like that. Um, even in his pre uh, in his under undergrad high test scores, but his, uh, test score for his MCAT were actually, uh, below average. Um, I think if I can remember this correctly, or it was, it was, Eh, I don't know if it was below average, but it was average as well. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I would say. Um, I think I'm talking about his um, whatever to get into undergrad was was lower, maybe. But long story short, both of you guys were not like killing the test to get into this med school, right? You guys yeah. weren't like blowing it out of the water, and um, but that is not an indication of how successful you can be when you get into med school because uh, Nate and you excelled way farther than people I'm sure you went to med school with that didn't make it, right? That dropped out. Mm -hmm. And uh, ultimately, you guys were one of the 
you know, top people in your classes. And um, Nate was, Nate was unreal. Uh, like when you talk about like national stats, he Mr. was. Mr. 100. He, yeah, he was like top, top notch. <laughs> you, you Really like top percentile type stuff. Um, so it, if you're going, if you take a, a, you know, the test to get into med school and you're not, you know, y- you're average, let's say that does not indicate how successful you can be once you get into the seat. And uh, that I think that's a, a super important part. Yeah, I think, you know, all you need is that that one shot of that one school to give you a chance. And after that, it's just put your head down and work. Um there's, I think test scores are just a marker to help kind of separate people when they're interviewing because so many people apply to med school and it's, um, it is a, it's a difficult thing to get into and it only gets harder when med school and then applying to residency because there's only so many positions. So a test score doesn't define who you are or who you're going to be as a position if that's something you want to pursue. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to the things that we talk about, the the outside things like are you going to grind are you passionate about it all right because because i know both you guys you both you guys are grind grinders you both are mentally tough you both are disciplined all these things that we learn through sports you know all those good things and obviously you guys are very very smart um, on top of that those things but those outside things that you can't put on a test you can't put on a piece of paper um, you both are leaders, you know, captains of different things. Um, all those attributes that are outside of the testing world is what really made you guys succeed uh, the most, I feel. Yeah. And I feel like I built my med school application around my sports background. Like I didn't have a ton of like volunteer work. Like I did some, but um, it was kind of like at the end during my gap year, where, like I kind of just need stuff to fill paper but really my my application was built around like hey i had a strong workload in undergrad with sports and pre-med and um you know being a captain of a college basketball team and kind of talking about adversity like having injury and still playing through it and things like that um i think that's the thing i talked about most during interviews yeah because give us a rundown of what like the first couple years of med school is with the test like how frequent the tests are like how much you have to learn in those two weeks or whatever it may be and uh just give a little behind the curtain look of what it's like to be in med school yeah so i think you kind of already touched on this like nate's brilliant i don't think i'm the smartest guy in the room like ever i think i've worked harder than probably most people burned down a tent but Uh, yeah yeah, yeah. So like, there's that. <laughs> um, but I, I actually came into med school not doing well. I approached my studying like I did in undergrad, where I would passively read. I could remember stuff back then, but like, one of the first classes you do in med school is like biochemistry with like very complicated pathways, and I would just like passively read through this stuff, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be fine. And I remember failing my first med school test, and I'm like shitting my pants like <laughs> i just paid 40 grand for a semester like to be here and i just failed my first test and that just kind of flips a switch in me like i gotta find something else to get this done but really the workload so how you enter into med school at least for me your summer class is just anatomy and it's 
it's a pretty easy introduction. It's basically going into the anatomy lab, um, kind of going through system courses, whether that's neuro, musculoskeletal, cardiac, kind of learning the anatomy. After that, it really, really ramps up. I think my fall semester, first year of med school, was 26 credits. So they truly describe it as like drinking knowledge from a fire hose, like good luck. So our tests were probably like every two to three weeks. And in that two to three week period, you would have multiple classes. So I think I had biochemistry, physiology, um, and then there was something else. But you would have to read like three, 400 pages, sometimes 500 pages per class in this two weeks. Mm-hmm. And good luck. <laughs> I remember looking at Nate's book and each one was like, this is what I got to learn for this test in two weeks. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, so how did your uh, process change when it came to studying? Like what was your, as a bas- as a sports person, like you're already kind of built for to have like structured like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. This is like, did you structure it out? Like it was like a, a practice, like uh, how, how did, uh, how did you, um, <clears throat> what was your formula <clears throat> for being successful in studying? Yeah, I think it I think it changed from like semester to semester. Um, that first portion when I had failed that first test and I was kind of playing catch up after that. But um, I lost all my hobbies, to be truly honest, because all I did was like, I need to get through this and I need to pass these classes and be successful. After that, I can pick up, you know, doing stuff that I love. Um, so I went from passive reading to like locking myself in a room with no distractions. I'd put my phone away. And I'd have a whiteboard and I'm just constantly like repetition after repetition, drawing out these pathways, making flashcards has always been something that's been really helpful for me. Um, just cause I think you need that repetition, like set that aside. If you got that wrong, I'm coming back to that in five minutes and I'm doing that card again. So that's kind of how I transitioned my learning over like the next two years of at least, you know, textbook work. Mm-hmm. Did you do like, <clears throat> cause I'm thinking about Nate's process. Nate, <clears throat> Nate scheduled it. <clears throat> Like, all right, from this time to this time, it was so like structured, like, and there was no, it was so disciplined, no misses, right? So Monday, Mm -hmm. he had study sessions, never missing. Tuesday, study sessions, never missing. And, uh, and he structured it that way. Where is that, is that what uh, was successful for you? Or did you just like, I got to study all day, period, all day, every day? I, I felt like that in the beginning, but once I kind of caught up on that biochem stuff, I definitely structured my days like that where I would block off three to four hours just to study like physiology. Mm-hmm. I'd take a 10 minute break to have a snack or do something. Then after that, the next three to four hours are for my next class. And then after that, my next class. And at the end, I would try to do like one big review of everything that I just learned. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> that's basically seven days a week for two years. Yeah. Um, I remember like, um, I would, after every single exam that Nate had pretty much every two, three weeks, I would go to see him in Lansing the day of the test. So like everybody's done with the test, so they didn't have to study. So they'd go out and, um, to the bars. Med school Mondays, baby. Yeah. Med school Mondays. <laughs> Nick was there for med school Mondays, uh, to, to <laughs> see, to see Nate pretty much consistently every week, every two weeks. <clears throat> and, um. One thing that I thought was super interesting because Nate was so structured and so disciplined in doing that stuff, he would tell me like, yeah, like most of the people here and they would all like complain how hard the test was and, and all this other stuff. 
But they were also like doing the same thing that you did in undergrad, like cramming the night before, staying up all night on Red Bulls and and stuff like that. But Nate was just like, I already did all the work. Like I was disciplined. I didn't miss any days. I was structured. I put the time in so I didn't have to do that. And it was extremely successful for him, for him being like the top percentile, like in the nation type crap. So like Mm -hmm. um, what I'm hearing from you is, is kind of the same thing where, all right, you got away with it in high school, right? You got away with it in undergrad. But when you get into med school, it's like, all right, you got to have a plan. You got to be structured and you have to be disciplined. No misses, uh, pretty much. Because if you're starting to play behind like you you did in the the first part, like you're going to be miserable. Yeah. And I I will say like, dude, I I became like, I guess I've never experienced depression. Um, Up until that point, like I lost, like I didn't communicate with friends. I didn't go out and work out. I didn't touch a basketball. Like I didn't do anything but like sit in a room and study. Um, And for, you know, my advice to anyone who would go through this process or do that, I really changed it. No matter what, I would take an hour or two out of my day to do something for me. And I think that's really important because you can really drive yourself in the hole, like not doing that stuff. Yeah. I remember, uh, they had a, I think they, in one of the first sessions in med school, they bring in someone to talk about, all right, if you're in a relationship, you're not going to be in a relationship. (laughs) Yeah. Like it was like pretty straight honest type stuff. Like if you got stuff in your closet before you go in here and you got, you need to get your stuff in order, long story short. Otherwise, you're it's not going to work out. And um, yeah, which if you're in a relationship, it can work, but you got to have the right person, right? And I talked to Kevin last uh, episode about it. Um, is is the person helping solving problems, or are they creating problems? And you can't go in to uh, something like a mission like you did with someone creating problems you got to have someone that's going to support you and solve problems and i saw that definitely like with like med school people and stuff like that that you really have to have all your ducks in a row when you go on this mission of discipline and they have to be understanding like all right med school comes first i'm sorry but this is what has to be done to be successful Mm -hmm. right and there were so many people that i saw in Nate's class that, um, you know, had the accolades, had the 4.0s going in, had the high test scores going in, all these stuff didn't make it uh, after, you know, a year. Or they did get it, but after they were done, they didn't get matched. They did, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they, they struggled and, and you could just see all the tangible things of why it didn't work out. Uh, for them they weren't as disciplined they weren't this they weren't that and you and nate are i see you guys as like a prime example of you know if you really want to be as successful as you possibly can those are the things that you kind of have to do so i look i look up to you guys a lot when it comes to that appreciate it man um yeah and i think i i've always kind of held like that underdog mentation mentality um kind of going through med school like um i was uh like top fourth quintile in my class like in the top 25 percent, but definitely not in the top 10 percent. so and i 
<clears throat> I surrounded myself with people who were brilliant. Like a lot of my friends in med school are at really prestigious programs. They went into like orthopedics. My buddy Cooper is a savant. And um, so I really surrounded myself with people. And I think you can get caught up comparing yourself with people like, dang, I'm not as smart as that guy. Or like he really understands the stuff and gets it easy. But that's just another thing where like I motivated myself more. And I think our whole friend group is probably our biggest self-critics. But at the same time, we surround ourselves with, you know, you, Nate, Kev, like we're, we don't surround ourselves with yes men. And I think we've always kind of pushed each other to be the best. Thousand percent. One thousand percent. Yeah. Like in the beginning of med school, everybody's get to know each other, right? You're getting to know each other. And yeah. then you quickly find out who are the people that are there because their parents made a recommendation to somebody or they have some political way in or you know, they're not really about it, you know, Mm -hmm. they're not really about it. And it makes me come up with a thought. Like if you're thinking about going to med school, you got to be there for the right reasons. Right. Yeah. All that struggle that you talked about, the, the depression, the no longer doing fun things for a long time. Right. And only having one hour a day to yourself, pretty much think about mentally how hard that is. And if you're not there, and you're not really about it, about it, and you're there for the wrong reasons because my parents want me to be there. My, you know, uh, the money is sweet. Everybody else is going to think I'm cool. Like, if you're there for those reasons, you're not going to be successful. And with me, you, and Nate, and uh, the other people in our friends group, it's just like, we're going to be successful. Whatever we have to do, we're going to be successful, right? And um, once again, those things outside of what's on the paper is like, is like so key, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But yeah, like once I got through the, so two years of how med school is kind of set up for people that don't know, the first two years is basically straight course book work, textbook work, taking exams, things like that. Third and fourth year is kind of set up where you go off to a base hospital or somewhere else and you're doing your clinical rotations and that's touching on every specialty. So you will do like a month in OB, do a month in internal medicine, do a month in EM and things like that. And that's when you kind of decide like, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? I think people, when they're like, Oh, what's your residency? And I tell them like emergency medicine, they're like, Oh, are you going to be a surgeon? I'm like, no, I'm doing, I'm going to be an ER doctor. And there's pathways out of that where you can do fellowships and things like that. But, um, so yeah, I decided kind of early on, I was going to do emergency medicine that felt like that was the right thing for me. My calling, I fit with that personality of those people. And then uh, I'm out in Grand Rapids now at Spectrum Health, which was my, my number one program that I ranked. And obviously Nate went there as well. And I got to train with him for a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like the first two years is like the real grind. And then uh, year three, um, is really the hands-on work year four you're just like all right i'm just you know i'm pretty locked in i feel pretty good um i can do a little bit more you know like i can go play basketball i can do all the do some other things um and then after your four years you're officially a doctor but But you have to go do your like uh what what do you call it? I know it's like rotations and stuff, but what is the uh what's the next step after those four years? Then it's uh your residency. Yep, residency. And that's where you really get the 
the hands-on uh yeah take what you learned uh, and and apply it right yeah the day-to-day training really and the specialty you're going to be doing there's still off-service rotations that are applicable to your field like for us as a ER doc or an ER resident, like I go rotate through anesthesia for intubations and we do ICU months because obviously we deal with pretty sick critical people when they roll into the, the doors of the emergency department. So all that stuff. But for the most part, I'm in the ER a lot of the time as my training. Yeah. So that's how long usually is that second step, the the residencies? Yeah. Um, for ER is one of the shorter ones. It's three years. Um, there are still some four-year programs, but those are more academic centers like University of Michigan and kind of those big university mm-hmm. uh, training sites. But you can train for as long as you want, like surgery, general surgery is five years. I think neurosurgery is like seven. Mm-hmm. So depending on what you do, the years can kind of be added on. Um, but ER is kind of cool because there's a lot of fellowships, which is basically another year of training. Um, in another field where you can get board certified in that as well. So yeah. out of ER, you can do like sports medicine, you can do EMS, um, you can do like critical care medicine. So there's a lot of cool pathways out of ER. And I feel like I like my specialty a lot because I feel like I have a pretty broad knowledge base. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm very versatile. So, yeah. Um, what, uh, what does, I know that you know, Nate picked e, uh, ER emergency med as well because of the structure of work as well. Um, there's a little mm-hmm. bit more, um, you know, work-life balance. Was that uh, part of the reason why you picked it? Yeah, I think that was definitely huge. Like looking down, you know, the road from this, I never really wanted to be on a call and getting called in the hospital at like 2, 3 a.m. Luckily, I, I will never have to do that. I think the hard part about emergency medicine is that your shifts are always changing because it is truly shift work. So you can work mm-hmm. like a 7 a.m. shift one day, and then two days from that, you're working like an 8 p.m. or 10 p.m. shift. So mm-hmm. your sleep cycle can kind of get messed up. But, I mean, I work eight hours in the ER. So yeah, it's uh, it's basically work hard for eight hours. You get to go home, and your work doesn't follow you. Yeah, that's, that's definitely nice. Yeah, I, I always think about, you know, a lot of people have this idea of being a doctor, right? It's kind of one of those magical thoughts uh, that everybody has, especially in like the U.S. or anywhere, right? It's like yeah. being a doctor is like a fairy tale, right? And it sounds sweet, right? But no one really knows, I feel, the nitty gritty of it all um, and what it actually takes and what it actually means like people are just like wow he's a surgeon like wow he makes so much money i want to do that too she makes so much money wow i want to do that too but they work 24 hours a day you know what i mean yeah (laughs) you know what i mean like yeah they they make a lot of money and stuff but you know they have to go you know four years undergrad four years of med school and then what like eight years of of like actual yeah, five, stuff after that five plus years yeah yeah five plus years so what's that almost 20 years of like of like school <laughs> you know and yeah. then once you get out like yeah you're making big bucks but you're working 24-hour shifts how many times a you know it's 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 hard it's not a fairy tale it's yeah there's some great perks to it 
but you really have yeah. to be about it, about it and really passionate about it. And I think that's the biggest thing. If you are, you, you don't get through all of those tough times and those tough steps without being passionate and truly about mm-hmm. it. And, and I think that gets kind of lost in the shuffle. Like I, I talk to people all the time and the conversation is like, man, I wish I could have went back and, you know, went to, you know, med school because, you know, it seems cool. And I'm like, yeah, it is. It's not it's, that it's, cool. <laughs> it's, it's hard, man. And it's worth it. It's worth it because yeah. you guys are doing great work and you have a great purpose. And when you leave, you did, you affected people's lives in a positive way. Right. Um, so it's a thousand percent worth it, but you have to be about it to get to that point of it, it's, it's not easy. Um, definitely not easy. Yeah. And I think, I think the money is a little bit of a misconception. Yeah. Doctors get paid well, but I also have $300,000 worth of loans looming over my head at like a 6% interest rate. Mm-hmm. I'll pay that off. Like financially I'll be okay, but there's a, there's a lot of stuff that comes with that. And there's a lot of liability that comes with our job and there's mm-hmm. always risk for litigation in the future and things like that. But obviously we go into work and try to do our best and, you know, do right by people every day. But mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of <clears throat> young doctors, uh, make mistakes, uh, to like, they get right out of, of their residencies and then they just, they start bawling out of control. Right. And <laughs> like, Oh dude, I'm a doctor now. I, I should have like a two, $3 million house or whatever. And just like, just ball out of control. And, and, you know, just because your income is, is what it is. I mean, I know that there are, you know, people who make a lot of money um, in the field that I'm at and have very yeah. little money when it comes to like retirement and like savings. And so um, I think that if that goes to another point that I just think of is like, if you're, if you want to be a doctor and because you want um, other people to think of you as a certain way. And I feel like when people ball out of control and leave, live above their means, it's because they're living for other people and other people's yeah. perception of them. Um, <clears throat> which, um, which obviously if, if you're doing anything, anything because you're because of what other people will think of you and like that's your motivation and that's that's not a way to live that's not going to be good for you yeah unless you have money like bieber yeah then you shouldn't be blowing racks like that but that guy can't run out of money <laughs> there's people with 10 20 30 million dollars that are still worried about money which is yeah. crazy which is crazy it. yeah that are still worried about money Um, so, um, I think I go back to coach Lance, back to our basketball days. One of the things that he always preached that I've always shout out coach Lance, shout out coach Lance. Right. Um, and, uh, is live underneath you, live below your means. I mean, if, if you live, if you're in a place where you don't have to worry about money because you're living underneath your means, just think about how much less stress you're going to have, um, in your life. And you can really focus on the important things, right? Yeah, dude, I I actually really appreciate where we came from and the people we got to like call mentors. Like Coach Lance is a perfect example. I think from an outside perspective, if you look at that guy coach, you're like, he's crazy. Mm-hmm. But he's passionate is what it is. Like mm-hmm. he he was a guy that had our backs no matter what. Mm-hmm. And the lessons that 
all of us have picked up from that guy and how, you know, selfless he was when it came to helping us out, you know, wherever it was in our life, I think is just outstanding. Like I'll yeah. be friends with him forever. When it comes to high school coaches, I don't think anybody put as much time and pride and passion into being a high school coach that he did. Cause he yeah. not only was he like locked in for like coaching wise, just straight X's O's like always thinking about it, always thinking about like what they need to do to improve. But it was always the lessons outside. It was getting kids into college that wouldn't have a chance of getting to college without, you know, his help yeah. pretty much. <clears throat> Um, getting kids to play college basketball that wouldn't have opportunities if it was just another coach just thinking it as a hobby. It wasn't a hobby to him. It was it was important to him. And so, and I look at, you know, in his tenure, um, I think that we we were the best team my senior year, your junior year, not only because we were successful, like, on the court, but our resumes outside of the court pet post basketball is probably the best uh up there with the best in like the school's history if not like expanded outside of those things cuz we have <clears throat> you know you know three doctors on the uh, that were on the team right um we mm -hmm. have you know uh, financial advisors you know, we have we have so many people that are successful um, in so many different ways. And, you know, Kevin is a is a business owner. You know what I mean? And like so there's yeah. so many people that were on that team that are now super successful outside of basketball. And it I think it's because like going back to the the story about uh, partying in the field, we were about being successful, right? So we weren't drinking, right? In in high school. Yeah. We were, you know, not doing drugs. We were we were we had our goals set on being as successful as we possibly could be, right? And we learned all these things that made us successful, the discipline, the things like that. And then we all became friends and we all yeah. rubbed off on each other and with our competitiveness between us we're always rooting for each other but we're also competitive as well right and we just keep raising yeah. the bar keep raising the bar keep raising the bar and that's why w when you say i'm so happy where we came from i group group of friends like us and teams like us don't just come out like are just so rare i feel and uh we are so lucky to have been put in the to cross paths all of us together and uh it was really stars aligned i feel like the right coach the right people the right parents the right time you know yeah. it's so crazy and such a small percentage but man we keep we keep uh pushing the bar and and hopefully um you know our tree just like coaches lance's tree that we can continue that on and and help the people you know that are coming up as well yeah, absolutely. Yeah, looking across our friend group, it's it's pretty outstanding between Cam and Stinch and Kev and mm -hmm. you know Lance, Justin, you and Nate. It's it's uh it's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. Jordan, you know, gonna take over the business. Justin, you know, uh, an advisor. Um, you know, changing people's lives when it comes to money. Cam, <clears throat> you know, doing great. Just things. sitting Just, on millions. <laughs> Cam, Cam, killing it, and um, you know, really you know, winning awards, all these good things and, and 
you know, Lance, Lance is a, is a doctor. And, and so, man, it's just like, I think, I mean, Danny Gregory is a PT, like the, everybody is, is doing, you know, <laughs> Danny Gregory defense. <laughs> yeah. Freak athlete. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, everybody's, um, you know, doing, doing big things and, and people where we come from, um, I mean, it was, it's better than mm-hmm. a lot of places, but uh, people were, where we come from that this is very abnormal. Um, and it's crazy, man. It's, I look back at it all the time. Uh, when I'm, when I'm out here, it's a sunny day. I'm looking at the mountains. I'm looking at the ocean. I'm like, how'd I end up here? This is crazy. Yeah. Right. It's crazy. Like I'm not supposed to be, I'm not really, you know, pe- where I'm from people, you know, don't, don't get here. And mm-hmm. I was just crazy enough to have confidence in myself just to be like, I'm going to figure it out. You know what I mean? My path wasn't as direct as, as yours and Nate's where it was like, all right, doom, 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 you know? Uh, you know, I, I tried to be a physical therapist. The farthest I got was on a wait list. Didn't, uh, decided to, you know, take another path into business and took another path into another business and took another... And, and eventually yeah. all I needed was an opportunity. And once I got that, I had the tangible things just like you and Nate, um, you know, to build something and to make a name for myself. So if anybody gets anything from this podcast, it's you got to have things that are not on paper, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's and, crazy. I mean, I know like you went out to California with, you know, very little and little. I know you and Rachel were living like in a, a studio apartment, just no space, just no money. A box grinding, man. Two two windows that were shaded by trees. So there was literally like not a lot of light coming through that thing. Um it was uh the surrounding areas was not the greatest. Um so yeah, it was definitely a grind figuring it out you know not that much money in my bank account like being able to save very very little um above uh what our expenses were and uh grinded that's it had high confidence grinded and uh you know we're in a better place now so yeah life's crazy man life's crazy um how uh how how you feeling about baby girl coming Man, uh, I can't wait. Um, you know, I see Margo, Nate's daughter, yeah. and I'm like, dude, that's going to be me. And like, you know, coming up here soon in like a year, in a year, she'll be that age or, or you know, whatever, two years. And, you know, I, I, I feel like I have a very healthy uh, mindset when it comes to it. No one's ever ready to become a parent, no matter if you read a thousand books, you know, like no matter if, you know, whatever, you can be as prepared as you think you are, but ultimately um, you're going to have to figure it out. And um, I think I've always been a person that's been really good in coaching as far as motivating people, uh, working with different personalities. So whatever personality that comes out, um, and she is like, um, I feel like, uh, I've always been a pretty good mentor. So I'm hoping that I can take those skills and, and, and raise, 
uh, a daughter that has a good, you know, head out, uh, has a good head, uh, smart, you know, not, you know, crazy going to fields and burning <laughs> down, <laughs> burning down tents, you know, those type of things. So I'm, I'm excited. Um, you know, uh, I'm not a person that gets like super in my head and super nervous and super scared and all those things. I'm just like, you know me, I'm just like roll with it and I'll figure it out. That's how, how I, how I kind of am. Now I did buy some books and I, and I'm reading some things and I'm trying to be prepared as I possibly can, but I'm not overdoing it um, in a way. And uh, I'm mindful of uh, advice. Um yeah. One thing that kind of uh, annoys me is like uh, moms who give other moms advice and it's like most of it's crap. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Like you as a doctor, like COVID advice. That's how I feel like it is. Like, uh, <laughs> like parenting advice is like COVID advice. Like credibility is huge, right? Of who it's coming from right. and all those things. And there's a lot of wonky, wacky things that sound great but you know anybody can make something sound cool true yeah so uh it's kind of just like you know um you know i i I'll, i ask advice to like my parents and and things like that but at the grand scheme of things just like anything you know you, you dive in just kind of like marriage like you're never gonna be like totally prepared and it's kind of one of those things where you dive into it, you figure it out, you have an open mind, you have these tangible things that we talk about. Um, and uh, if you have those things, I think open mindedness is the biggest thing. Like whatever happens, like I have, we have counters, we have options. Like some people get like, so like, it has to be this way, it has to be that way, it has to be this way. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Got to roll with the punches. And I think, any of that is just such a huge um, learning process and step. Obviously, I think I'm pretty far away from that lifestyle, but um, <laughs> I think you and Rachel are going to do fantastic. I mean, you guys are both very good, good-hearted people, and obviously, you care a lot about each other. And I think you guys will do fantastic. No worries, no problem. And then uh, you'll be back in Grand Rapids. We'll just raise families together. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> my dream, my dream is to buy a big like plot of land like big like 20 acres and build my own road and uh and uh, build a house build a house on the road uh and uh yeah that's my that's my dream because when i buy a house i don't want people telling me how what to do with it you know when you live in subdivisions <laughs> and stuff like there's yeah. there's rules like Dude, I just spent a half a million dollars on a house. I'm pretty sure I can do what I want. You know what I mean? It's like, and I don't want some Karen telling me that like my freaking uh, garbage bins have been out in front of the yard for too long either. <laughs> Dude, subdivisions are so stupid. I remember my dad had parked his truck in our driveway because he was like working on our garage and someone complained. They're like, you you shouldn't have like a truck advertising stuff in your driveway. My dad's like, it's my vehicle. <laughs> like, <laughs> like shut up. It's so stupid. Like this is I can't I imagine like ever waking up my house. So <laughs> yeah, 
I I can't imagine like waking up and complaining about that stuff. I actually have a hard time wrapping my head around people getting mad about a lot of things, but I don't know. Maybe that's me. I've got issues. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't see. That's what's crazy. It's like with our friend. I feel all of our friend group are the same way. Like we don't care about little stuff like that. But there's a lot of people out there that care about things that don't matter. You know what I mean? Like someone having a car in their front yard just because they don't want to look at it. You know what I mean? It's so yeah. weird. It's like you have nothing else and you have nothing important else going on. Yeah. And that's what you care. Close about. your blinds. Right. Close your blinds. <laughs> it's like, like the profile is, uh, she has the person's there, stay at home. Mom, uh, kids left the house, literally twiddling her thumbs, looking for something to care about and to have a purpose in life. And her purpose in life is like, making sure everybody's following the rules in the subdivision. <laughs> yeah. Leave Mark Sherwin alone. He's a okay. <laughs> I know. Mark Sherwin's out here grinding, lady. He's actually out here doing something. You know what I mean? You that have man a tore up his Yorkie. shoulders and knees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, chill out. We got mini schnauzers. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, the freaking Gandalfs. What the- <laughs> like she's Gandalf the Grey. Yeah, thousand percent. But we're about at at an hour here. Uh, I got one more thing to leave us out. Uh, to leave us. Um, one argument that I always have. Uh, with Rachel. And uh, yeah, let's hear uh, it. Uh, <laughs> so I know that uh, you've you've gone on many dates, right? What are some things that is the worst thing to order uh, on a first date? And I'll go first to let you think uh, and see show you where I'm going with, okay? I think one of the worst things to order on a first date that a lot of people do are salads. Here's why. It's too much work, right? You usually have to cut it up, right? Too much work. You're talking scrape, 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 right? The person trying to talk it over, all they're hearing is like, right? And you're just like, oh, fuck, oh, shit, oh, right? Number two, has anybody ever been attractive while eating a salad? Because you have to like open up your mouth really loud or really big, right? And then the sauce always like gets on your mouth because it doesn't always go in perfectly. It's just like a bunch of things just like everywhere, just like this, right? It's not like organized at all and not easy to eat. And then when you're eating it, like it's just like, and you're like trying to talk to someone and it's just too much work and too many things to consider while you're trying to talk to somebody, right? So that's that's my number one. I mean, there's other things that suck, like wings, like probably not. Like, long story short, if it's not easy to eat, like very simple and easy to eat, like your purpose of being there is to talk to someone and to get to know to someone. And if you're eating a salad, like you're not going to look good. It's too much work. There's too many things that could go wrong. Yeah, that's actually a, a good choice. You're definitely right. Like you just you take a forkful and there's like one piece of dangly lettuce and it just slaps you with some Caesar right on your cheek. You're just like, and you're like, I'm trying to be attractive right now, and I just, I just, I just got power slapped by a freaking by Kale. Just 
piece of iceberg just lays you out. Oh, and also um, here's another one. One more on top of why not is because salad the next day sucks, right? So, <laughs> so it's like you're not going to take it to go, right? And a lot of times when me, when I'm talking to somebody and I like I'm on like a date or at dinner with someone that I don't know, like I'm talking, I forget to eat. So like it's I'm oh, going to get yeah. a salad and then I'm going to be well, like, dude, yeah, I'm going to take this to go and never eat it and spend all this money on nothing. I'm going to eat. You're the slowest eater anyways. That's a fact. Yep. Yep. It bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it bothers everybody. I'll be. Yeah, yep. I'll be done with burger and fries, and you have seven fries now and one bite of your burger. I'm like, what are we doing, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me, for sure. <laughs> no, no. Rachel eats faster than me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't it's know. probably good for your digestive system. Me, I'm just like I inhale it's not, everything. It's not. I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not so. <laughs> dude i you I, yeah like wings and like ribs and like saucy things are definitely horrible that being said i've never had like a, a girl ever order like wings or ribs like something that bothers if, me is if like they did i, I just want some some, some hot wings and some pizza yeah <laughs> <laughs> will you but like me? i don't <laughs> i uh i don't like when when women try to act like they're not hungry or like don't want to eat a whole lot on them on the first date, like baby girl, fucking eat a burger, eat a whole pizza. I don't give a damn. Yeah. Like I love food. I, I know like you and Rachel do like the finding the best foodie stuff around California. Mm-hmm. Living in Chicago kind of opened up that culture for me as well. Like, and I lived down there with no money. I was a college student, but Mm-hmm. You know, I've definitely gone to some places where like this is fantastic. Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids has a pretty decent food scene. It's it's okay, but like I appreciate a good meal because it's like the conversation, um, the experience of it. So mm-hmm. if I'm taking you on a date, I want you to order some food. Yeah, and better I, yet, when you don't eat it, I want the leftovers. Yeah. I'm taking that shit. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, and and to add on to that, if they say like, "Oh, I'm not hungry," it's like they're so nervous, right? I'm too oh, nervous yeah. to eat. I'm not hungry because I'm so nervous. Like that just sense like a level of anxiety. Like you could feel the anxiety at that point, and you're just like, all right, all right, all right, cool. Like, yeah, they already I'm have gonna... bubble guts. They're shitting. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, even if it's uh, you know, if you're not like super hungry or whatever, and you're in that situation, just like. You can just order something like, all right, like I'm just going to have some like chips or like just something like hey, I'm not very hungry, but I'm going to order like something legit and I can always take it back later. Like, uh, yeah, at least make it seem or don't even say you're not hungry because then it makes it seem like you're nervous. So like <laughs> order something, you know, oh, and then at the end, you always can do the Nick where, oh, I was just ta- I was so interested to talk to you that I like didn't eat. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, well, take it home. Oh, We're good. Oops. <laughs> If I was that that person in that situation, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to pick something that's good the next day. Not a salad, right? I'm going to pick something that's oh. good the next day because I know I probably won't eat it, but um, pa- it's all good. Pasta always slaps 24 yeah. hours after. Yeah. Now, this pasta is another one that could be because the sauciness, right? 
with the yeah. with the one noodle hitting you in the head, right? Yep. Um, the scrape, Sauce scrape, scrape, shape, scrape. <laughs> <laughs> Sauce on your white shirt, yeah. Thousand, yep. Yeah. There's another thing to consider. But but yeah, anything, I mean chicken tenders, chicken tenders, number one, chicken tenders, easy. You're six. Yep. You're six. Yep. Quesadillas, <laughs> easy. Delicious. Easy, delicious. There you go. Uh, but yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one, sure. But all right, man. That's it. Oh damn! I was just took down the whole entire the whole entire <laughs> set. <laughs> like everything. That's it. <laughs> uh. Thanks for joining me, man. Uh, the whole reason Absolutely. of me starting this podcast and a, and a big reason was to catch up with people that I don't talk to often enough. I know we don't talk that much. I'm always thinking about you. Me and Kevin are always talking about you. We were actually talking about you the other day, and we're like, we got to check in with you. It's been a minute. Uh, you know. So I was like, yeah, I'm actually about to do a podcast uh, you know, next week and, and talk to him. So I'm like super excited about it. So a huge reason why I wanted to do this is to – you know, ha- make sure I check in with people. And uh, thanks for coming on. Um, man, I can't wait to hang out with you again. Uh, I miss you, and I can't wait to see you soon. Yeah, man, I uh, I appreciate you having on. I had fun. I uh, I feel like I kind of do a bad job of keeping in touch with people sometimes. I kind of get wrapped up in all this stuff, especially mm-hmm. coming down to the end of my year. So, um, no, man, I'm glad you're doing well, and this, is, this has been a pleasure. So, you know, I'm happy to jump back on if you ever need me again. And Hopefully we'll uh, get you back out here to Michigan shortly so we can chill. Yeah, my dream, and this will happen. I want to have you and Kevin on one podcast. <laughs> Put a advisory on the front. Everybody's <laughs> getting fired. Everybody's getting fired. We're all going to be hobos. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> I'll get called into the office. They're like, <clears throat> we need to talk about something. We saw a video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's not the video we filmed. <laughs> nope. Nope. Not that one either. Yep. For sure. <laughs> Bye, man. I'll talk to you. Be easy. All right, man. Yep. All right. Peace. <laughs>